Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. My name is Kevin McDonald. And today I've got a really special guest, Alfie Best, who's got a 250 million pound plus empire in in different types of property, mainly around stuff like park homes, commercial buildings and other assets across land developments, different stuff. So um, we'll get straight into the interview. Hi, Alfie. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Pleasure's mine, Kevin. Um, Thank you. So. I guess I'll get straight into a few questions. I've took some questions from the community as well that we'll ask later on. But to start off, um, a little bit about what age did you start getting that entrepreneurial mindset and thinking, I don't want to go down the traditional route of having a job, whatever that may be, and I'm going to build businesses. Well, when I was born, the doctor slapped me and I realised they didn't like that. (laughs) So that that kicked me on my way. No, on a a serious note, um, I would say for me... um, I come from a family of working people. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're sort of the earth type people. They're from the traveling community and I was working from the age of eight. But um, it was through seeing the work ethic with my mum and dad yeah. that then spurred me on. And then seeing what could be achieved with consistent working, consistently being busy with what you're doing yeah. so uh, for me i think it kicked in around about 12 or 14 wow so honestly yeah and that, a, lot, a lot of people i speak to who, are, who have that entrepreneurial mindset and who have grown big businesses actually do say that it's from a really young age that they started to do stuff like that so when you say from 12 to 14 what were your first sort of business ideas or plans or what were you well i i i had periodic schooling and um but when I'd go to work with my dad, he was the original cold caller that would be selling tarmac at the door. You know, it, it, you know there were all maintenance jobs around people's houses. Um, I was there working with my dad, seeing that. And I actually believe one of the best gifts that you can be given is learning how to speak to everybody. Yeah. Because you never know who's coming out from behind that door. It could be somebody 90, it could be somebody 15. You know, there are uh, from many different worlds. So learning how to speak to people on the spot is a massive education because it gives you confidence to know how to speak to people. That's the thing. I mean, I'm mainly around property, my business, and I always say property is a people business. It's not actually a property business. It's a people business. And it's the same in every business. So absolutely in in terms of um, the types of people you meet. But so... Your business is as they grew. What was the initial, what was the initial sort of thing you did, and then what sort of businesses did you grow into, and how did you get to how did you get to grow so quickly? Um, when, was, when was this at twelve? I don't want to pry into your age, I guess, but what? I'm how, twenty-two. How, Do, yeah, doesn't well, it show? How did the last <laughs> How did the last ten years grow so quickly? No, I'm I'm forty-eight years old. Um, look, I've had my trials and tribulations. And I've had my problems too. I will continue to have problems, but my problems are not issues. My problems are learning. Yeah. And every issue that we come across makes us stronger for the next round. 
It's about going out for the fight, being fit for the fight, being fit for purpose for the fight, and learning by your mistakes. And anybody that says they don't make mistakes is lying to themselves, either that or they're blind, because everybody makes mistakes. There are just two things you need to do. Yeah. Admit them and learn from them. Absolutely. People that can't admit them and people that can't learn from them will stay stagnant. Um, my journey in business was, my first real business that I started was at 14, <clears throat> and I started buying and selling um, vehicles from auctions. So I'd get a train to Enfield car auctions, and hypothetically, um, Land Rovers in central London were of a lesser value than what they were in a Welsh auction. So what oh. I would do is I would buy Land Rovers from a London auction, send them to a Welsh auction. And there was only a small amount of um, uh, apologies there. Sorry. But, uh, I actually thought I'd turn that off. But you know what they say? Saved by the bell. So, um, and I'd send them to, um, uh, uh, to the Welsh auction. And they would make a smidgen of profit, £50, £100. But it's about learning your trade. Yeah. Because uh, I'd then go to the Welsh auctions and I'd find mini cars actually made less in Wales, especially if they were automatic. And then you'd send them to London where they were a premium. So it, it's all about knowing your business. Yeah. Whether it be vehicles, whether it be property or whatever. And I went from there and I opened up a van hire centre when I was 17. And uh, we used to do the sale of commercial vehicles as well as having a hire centre. And I was absolutely flying. From the age of 17 to the age of 20, I um, basically was generating something like £100,000 a year net profit. And we're talking about in 1987, 88, 89 and 90. That's a lot of money. You know, it's been. a lot of money. Yeah. And I thought that I was invincible. And um, I wasn't. I really wasn't. I painfully come within uh, Nat's wing of going bust. I managed to hang on through the sheer grit of my teeth because, you know, the 1990, 1989 recession set in. And the vehicles were worth half. You know, builders were going out of business. They weren't hiring vehicles. You know, I, I couldn't afford to pay the mortgage on my house. Couldn't afford to pay the mortgage on the site. So I had to react. And uh, I had a murmur. At 20 years old, I had a murmur and collapsed across the desk. So what, what I did was I moved out of my house, rented my house out which alleviated the mortgage and I managed to pay my mortgage. And I was in that horrible saying, which you don't hear now, and I hope we never hear again, but we will because recessions are in cycles. Yeah. And that's negative equity. Whereas, you know, the mortgage is more than the property is worth. I've experienced some of that myself. Mm, it's yeah. painful. Yeah. It's very painful. And um, I moved out of the house, rented the house out. And I then broke the car showroom up and the yard for the hire centre into small units to cover the mortgage there. And we did that. And um, 
then I'd gone from driving a brand new Porsche, living in a half million pound house, to sleeping in my car, which I was now sleeping in an escort van. And I then had to find something to do. I had to find, so it was either go back selling tarmac. And this was in a period of months. This is in a period of month. The pain, I can only say to you, and psychologically what it does to you, is like grappling yeah. with a wrestler that's five times bigger than you and has got five world titles to his name and you've just stepped in the ring. That's the mountain that you feel you have to climb. Um, but what I did is I started looking for um, other businesses. And obviously I didn't have money to do market research. But I did my own market research. I just looked for businesses that had a queue. And the first was uh, takeaways. And they were normally very busy and they were always very busy next to schools. So that was one business that I looked at. And the other was mobile communications, which was new, vibrant. And I come to this mobile communication shop, which was relatively cheap to set up. And uh, I saw there was a queue. So what I did, I went and got a job in there and I was working on 70 pounds a week. Learn the trade. To learn the trade. And I begged and pleaded for the job because they didn't want me. But I'd gone from driving, you know, the visualisation, I'm living in a half million pound house, making £100,000 a year. My business is doing fine. I think that, you know, I can walk on water. I'm driving a new Porsche. All of a sudden, I'm now driving an escort van and working for somebody else on £70 a week, sweeping their floor, making their tea. The realisation, but there is a saying that I live by, needs must. Be prepared to do what you have to. What, during that period, what was the main things that sort of kept you going and kept you focused on getting out of it? Is it like, for some people it's family, for some people it's just getting back what they had before? What was the sort of driver that thought, because some people give up. Self-belief that failure is not an option. We can all fail if we believe it's a failure, or we can all win if we believe our failures are just lessons that we're learning from. We don't make mistakes unless we harp on them. Yeah. What we do is we learn from them to not make that decision in that way again. Very true. I always say the only way you fail is when you quit. Yeah. If you keep going, yeah, eventually you get where you're, getting to, you're going to get to. And if you're not earning, you're learning. Everything can be won. It just takes longer to win some round than others. Yeah. Do you, do you think your background as it, from the travelling community helped you or hindered you on your journey? I think all minority um, people um, have uh, uh, an entrepreneurial spirit when they've left their, uh, you know, their homeland as such to make a way somewhere else in the world, then that gives them that entrepreneurial spirit to expand their wings and soar like an eagle. You know, you can be two things. You can fly with the pigeons or you can go it on your own and you will soar. But self-belief is only part of the journey. Creating your own worth, creating your knowledge and being prepared to listen. Because listening, as God's great gift, we were given two ears and one mouth. 
Yeah. I'm sure he's trying to tell us My something. My mum always tells me, you've got two ears, one mouth, use them in that proportion. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why we've also got two eyes. Yeah. My wife says, why were you looking at both of those women? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I wasn't. <laughs> okay. Um, we went on from there. We then, three months later, I left. I opened up uh, our first mobile communication shop. Within 18 months, we had 18 stores. We then sold that company out. I then, in turn, before I did that, bought the shops, put them on mortgages. So we had 18 stores. And all of a sudden, when I then sold out, that company, in turn, sold out to Vodafone. And what happened was my properties then became blue chip rental properties. So the value went up. So you kept the property but sold the business that was within the property. I kept, I sold the business, which was a trading business, yep. and I kept the properties in a holding company, which was an investment arm of the first company. Very smart. Um, would I say it was smart? I think it's just common sense. Yeah, but not to everybody. So Then but, ask. If yeah. you're not sure, always take advice. Always mm. be prepared to take advice. But never ask somebody in your local pub. Yeah. Because that's like sitting there watching the football. Have you noticed they none of them play football, but they're all experts. True. Yeah. You know, the people to ask yeah. are the people that are within the industry. If you want advice, don't ask the funeral or the undertaker how to arrange your wedding. And don't go to the um, wedding um, exhibition expecting them to arrange a funeral. They're two different. So you go to the right person to ask the right question. And that's the thing. Everything in life, in, in property, in business, pretty much every challenge, every failure, every mistake's already been done. And the biggest mistake, people say you learn from your own mistakes, but actually that's a bit crazy learning from your own mistakes. Why don't you learn from somebody else's? And I, I, I live by a lot of little slogans that I love. One, of, one that, I, that I always listen to is, we cannot live long enough to make all of the mistakes ourselves. So learn from others and life will be a lot shorter and a lot more enjoyable where your work is concerned. Can I borrow that? Of course. That's very good. Um, so you've, you've obviously had huge success, um, massive success in business. I, you probably what? I think you need to define how you see, see success, success because my success is, is I've based my success on finance. Yep. I've based my success and do I feel successful? No, I don't. I was going to say, but where I was going was, yeah, was what is success to you? So for some people listening, the, what the businesses you've amassed, the stuff you've done, a lot of people would say, well, that would have been my goal. I'd stop, I'd quit, I'd, I've had enough now, I'll go lie on a beach somewhere. So what and is And they're su successful yeah. because they found contentment. Yeah. They're, they're a lot more successful than I'll ever be. Unfortunately with me, I am not content and I'm driven by how far I can go. You know, we have a, a Wildcrest Parks has um, a, a two hundred and fifty million pound net asset property portfolio with a value on the company of four hundred million. We have grown by three thousand percent in twelve years. Three thousand percent in twelve years. We have. A number of other companies that we operate from golf courses, which are all outside that company, from farms 
to finance companies, to commercial property. Now, people would say, oh, well, you're, you know, I hate the word, it's all right for you, you're lucky. Mm. Uh, no, let me tell you, you wouldn't want to hear the bad luck stories. Yeah. But the bad luck stories actually were all part of the journey. They were all part of the journey of learning, whether you were learning about people, whether you were learning about business, or whether you were learning about yourself. Because we all need to learn about who we really are. Mm. Luck starts with labour. Yeah, I agree. Labour. Yeah, I agree. Um, what's your goal? You said like you, you feel like you've not, you're, you're not successful, or you are, but you, you're, you'll always be wanting more. So what's the, have you got like a goal or a vision of where you're going to or yeah, where you want to take the business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a man with a plan will be a genius without a plan. You don't have to be a genius. You can be just a normal Joe like me. I'm nobody. I'm just a normal Joe. But these are the accreditations that I can brag about. We are Europe's largest residential mobile home park operator. We have 13,000 residents. And we're the only park operator that's ISO 9001 registered. Wildcrest Parks is the face of park home living. Now, you know what I used to do as a job before on. I got full time in property? I used to be an auditor and I used to audit and give people ISO 9001 certificates. Then you know how difficult it is to, to achieve. Get one of those. Yeah. We're the only park operator in the history of the mm. business to ever receive yeah, well, it. Yeah. And it's not you swipe of a pen. It's a four yeah, week process. Days and, you're, yeah, mm. and you're audited. Systems, so, procedures, training records for staff, everything. Yeah. It's like intense. And, and we put it in because we want to set the hurdle. Mm. You know, we're not buying a badge. We're buying procedures of what we have to work to achieve, not just given. Yep. So am I proud of the business? I'm more than proud of it. Am I proud of me? What would I be proud of me for? I'm only the man I am because I'm lucky enough to be directing the ship, but I'm just proud because the team I have around me are better than me. I don't employ B people. I employ A plus people. Those people that believe in the dream. Those people that know that we're making a difference in the model that we do and is changing people's lives. Do we get it right all the time? No. We get it wrong most of the time. But here's the thing. Most of the time, that's turned to a positive. Because when is a problem a problem? When there's no solution. When you make it a problem. There are no problems. Because the problems, you turn to a solution. Yeah. You know, if you take of somebody, God forbid, that is terminally ill. Yeah. The best people that I ever see is they turn it on its head and they go, this next year of my life, I'm going to live best. the rest of my life. Oh, wow. You know, nobody wants to be terminally ill and God forgive me for, for using it as an expression, but a man that then doesn't just sit there and take it, if you let life pound you, it will beat you. No matter what time we have here, we're only caretakers, all of us. Yeah. We just have to make sure that what we're passing on is in better shape than when we took it. Very true. And some people live really long lives, but others may go early 
but sometimes the ones that went early have lived a bigger and better life oh. because they've they've lived every hour every day look yeah. at look at some of the people that have lived short lives they've lived more in that short period of time than people that have lived till they're 105 because they're do you want to live like a lion or a turtle or a tortoise i should say you know for me i've got to say i'd rather live like the lion yeah and i mean for me i spent a lot of my life in, in um the normal process of getting an education, going to university, getting a job, um, having a manager. And in the last few years where I've got back my life, really, and doing property, I feel like I've lived more in the last four years than I lived in the other yeah, yeah. 35. Um, for that very reason, it's because you get that to do 30, life on your terms. That, the way it was explained to me uh, by somebody um, was when your life when you allow your life to be mundane, your life is long. When your life is ecstatic and filled, and it's you that makes that, your life is short, but it's actually longer. Yeah. And, 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 and it was put in that way to me, and it took me a fair time to break it down and analyse it, but I agree with it. Very, very true. Very true. Um, what's been your key milestones in business? What's your, your, like your, your most proud moment or... Most successful moment? Um, most proud or successful moment. They're still happening. Because every time we have one, we're hitting another. You know, becoming the UK's largest park operator, that was a big thing. Um, becoming Europe's largest residential park operator, that was a big thing. But I'm still as conscious and still as proud when we buy one park as if we buy ten. Um, so proud moments. Ah, my son, Alfred Best Jr., buying his first mobile home park, who made the Guinness Book of World Records by being the youngest park owner ever. He was 17. That, that, yeah, because we never know how our children are going to turn out. Yep. We never know what they're going to achieve. And we can only guide them on their path. But when they make you feel proud, that's a feeling that you can't, it's like falling in love all over I've again. I've got my first son at the moment, he's only like just turning two in a couple of months and even his first step makes you feel proud and each yes. thing. And I guess it's a proud all the time, isn't it? Well, that's a, and, father, yeah. that, that's a father's joy. Mm. You know, whether it's your daughter or your, or, or your son. You know, when I was born, the doctor slapped my mum. <laughs> on the on, on the opposite of the proud side what about your biggest like regret your biggest um... um okay biggest regret was the first time that i very close come to nearly going bust because that was because i believed in myself too much mm. and i got too full of myself i actually stopped listening and just constantly started telling myself what was right and and the, the one thing that I can tell you, we are never, we are never, ever, ever too old to learn. And the moment that you stop learning, you will severely come unstuck. Absolutely. Yeah. And so my biggest regret is believing in myself too much without checking myself. Mm. And I got in a lot of debt when I started out in property back in 2003, because I went to an event to learn how to do property. And I thought, well, 
I'm Irish and we build houses, never mind buy houses. So nobody needs to teach me how to do this stuff. Yeah. So I just went off and tried to do it alone. And the first three deals I did, lost a lot of money in Eastern Europe, ended up over a hundred grand in debt and spent the next 10 years trying to fix the problem. But um, you got out of your, my mindset held me back for 10 years where I've thought because I was in debt, I couldn't get going again. But you, you had a different sort of mindset when you hit that initial challenge. You just got going really quickly, I guess. Or was it quick or was it, was, how long did that period of time be from when you had to rent out your home to getting the shops well, going and getting it building? Was there- I, I, can, I can summarize this for somebody. Have, have you got two £10 notes or two £5 notes on you? Just buy uh, I actually don't, but let's pretend I do. Okay. There's two. Right, well, there's two. Okay. This is a new, crisp, brand new £10 note. This is a beautiful, crisp £10 note. Yep. Yep. That's just come out of the mint. It's absolutely pristine. And this is a £10 note that's been torn to pieces of life. And all my questions. That's your questions. (laughs) And that's what I think of the questions, right? Um... (laughs) This one has been through the mill. It's an old, washed-out £10 note. This is a crisp £10 note. What's the value difference between the two? Same. Exactly. Yeah. So this one is actually better. Because it's got life experience. Because it's got life experience. But when you unfold it and you unravel your own mindset of what you were suffering with at that time, you'll find your value is the same as the brand new £10, but you've then been through the walk of life. But the value is the same. Mm. The only person that puts somebody down, sorry, uh, the only person that puts somebody down is themselves. Yeah. And, you know, as a traveller, you can imagine the stigma that we've faced over the years. And I have a big hurdle to overcome, you know, liars, cheats, and thieves. Mm. That's just the wife. (laughs) (laughs) But, so I've got a bigger hurdle to overcome. But what I would say to you is, I don't believe in any stigmas. You know, I really don't. Mm. Um, I believe they're there to make us a stronger person or a weaker person. You know, um, we all have demons. We all have demons. When you walk out this room, you'll be thinking about a lot of things. And you have demons in you. And so do I. But those demons are going to do two things for you. They're going to destroy you or drive you forward. But do you know something? Choice is yours. My demons push me forward Mm. to prove that I'm better than the stereotype that people try to give the society that I'm from. And... And money comes and goes, but you never lose experience. You never Absolutely. lose the knowledge, the experience, the contacts, um, all of that sort of stuff. So a um, few questions we have written down. Um, can you read them now? I can, just about. <laughs> so which entrepreneur or successful business person do you consider the, the most mogul? Or the mo- you, like somebody you'd look describe up to? Mo- describe mogul. So um, like a, a a really successful business person, somebody who just who you would look up to, aspire to. Describe business person. Um, yeah, so entrepreneur. Entrepreneurial. Okay, well, entrepreneur and business person are two different things, mm. and they get confused by everybody as being the same. 
So, for instance, would you say Richard Branson and Bill Gates are both entrepreneurs, in your view? Yeah, they're more entrepreneurial than, they have businesses, but they're more entrepreneurial than business. Okay, I wouldn't. Mm. I would say that Richard Branson is an entrepreneur. I would say Bill Gates is a businessman, in the true format. Here's the reason why. Bill Gates has done one business. or two business and is an expert professional beyond. He has conquered the world in what he has done. That's a businessman. Richard Branson has operated, failed, started, succeeded in many different businesses. That's an entrepreneur. Very true. So yeah. for me, um, there are two that, that, or there are three actually, that reminisce for me. One is Richard Branson, because I think he's the true, um, if somebody had to say to me, what is an entrepreneur? He ticks every box because he's done so many different businesses. He's been successful in a number of those businesses and a number of those businesses he's failed at. But he takes his failures as as well as he takes his successes and learns from them, obviously. Yeah. Surrounds himself with good people. So we move on to another, Alan Sugar. Another great entrepreneur. Doesn't get the credit I feel that he's due because he comes across as such a hard person. And last but not least is Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is perceived as somebody that trades stocks and shares. He's not. He's somebody that has invested in a lot of businesses and added a lot of value. In actual fact, what a lot of people don't realise, he's the second largest mobile home park operator in the world. Until five years' time or three Absolutely. years' time. Absolutely. And he'll be That's, number three. Well... We have a five-year plan to be the biggest park operator in the world, and we will get there. So do you consider yourself, because obviously you've got park operators and you, you own property, do you consider that as business or entrepreneurial? Are, are you going into other types of... <clears throat> I would I, like to consider myself as an entrepreneur. The reason I would like to consider myself as an entrepreneur is I'm not tied to one business, and I look for opportunities within businesses. I have a number of people that come to me to invest in their businesses and they forget I value my time. I wished I could have come and got somebody like me to actually be involved with the businesses that I had for free. You know, when I see people go on to Dragon's Den and they're not only asking them for an investment, they're asking them for their time. Yeah. And I sit there and I go, for that particular business where they have got full expertise, I would want them on board for free because what they're going to bring to that business and people value ideas. There are more ideas that fail than what there are businesses True. that succeed. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying there are not good ideas that shouldn't be flourished, but <clears throat> you need the right people with mm. those ideas. Even starting off as a young kid, um, my nephew we come from a small town in Ireland and jobs are hard to come by and there's like one hotel and to get a job, people focus for me, a lot of people focus on the money and the interview is, well, how much will I be paid? 
and it's very hard to get a job in a small town in the west of Ireland. And with the advice we gave him was, go to the local hotel and tell them you'll work for free. And he took on it. He went there, asked to work for free. He got picking up glasses, did it for a couple of nights, and then they offered him to be paid yeah. to continue to come back. So it's giving value, adding value, and you'll be rewarded for it. And that's just a small example, but it's through life as you grow your business. I live by that. I live by that. And uh, I'll, I'll give you another scenario. The, when, you in, when you're in a job that you love, do more than you're paid to do because you will be recognised for it yeah. and you will climb the ladder faster than anybody else in that company because people can see that you're somebody that is conscientious about what you're doing. No, I've got to be honest, I've always done more, whether I've been working for somebody or whether I've been working for myself. The reason that I do more is because I'm doing it because I love it and it isn't just a paycheck. It's about yeah. how far I can go. That's, I, I always say, I, when I started off in property, I chased the money and I found debt. But actually, if you chase helping people, chase supporting people, chase knowledge, you'll find the money automatically. But For me, it's slightly different. And I'll be a liar to say that I don't chase the money. But it's more than that. I chase the goal. Mm. Because I like to think of myself as a man with a plan. I'm not saying the plan doesn't change. I'm not saying the plan doesn't, isn't a work in progress. But you have to have a business plan in business. That's why it's called a business plan. And then if you've got the energy behind it, because business is made up of failure and success. Success is 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration. You can be as inspirational as you like, but if you're not prepared to work at it, to drive it, you will not be successful. Success is made up of good habits. Get up in the morning. Yep. Put the time in. You know, do the right thing. Bad habits, laziness, bone idleness, not really bothering if you can to turn up. All, you know, they may sound simple, but yeah. we see it every day. Do you, do you think a lot of that came from your background as well, from uh, in terms of the, your dad, um, what he instilled in you, that that was... A hundred percent. If you come, and I don't think this, this country does enough for its young people, um, because if you're from a family where, and I, we've all seen the television programmes where they're moaning that there is no jobs out there, and, well, I wouldn't get out. The same, I hate. I wouldn't get out of bed for that. Mm. Right? Well, that's why you're going to stay in bed. You know, I get out of bed for nothing if I had to because opportunity comes. So it's about, you know, the, 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 we need to, you know, show that anybody can, can achieve their wishes, dreams, and goals. This country, I find it's harder to do. We've now started investing and growing businesses in America. We have five parks in North Carolina. And you are celebrated there. In business, you're celebrated. Here, there is still this um, class 
society that we have. You know, and we use the poor, working class, middle class, wealthy, so much more than any other yeah. nation where you go to other countries, it's success that they... Mm. And I, I think we, we need to encourage more of this here. Even in, coming from Ireland, um, it's not as, as, as um, celebrated as America, success in business, but it is more celebrated than in England. Yeah. I've seen a big difference between moving from Ireland to England. In Ireland, when I was younger, if somebody was in business or successful, you, you wanted them to do better, do more. Mm. Um, yeah. And... Um, you'd have a little bit of a grudge, but you'd still want them to do well. Yes. Um, but you'd be wanting to know what they do and stuff. Yes. And, and how you can do that too. And I started off, I, I worked in driving, I was driving tractors at the age of eight, grew up on a farm, eight, nine years old, working in a cattle mart. Um, and I guess it's, it is about, do you think that people that are in a, a part of the UK where um, they grew up with friends or a school that didn't have that family behind them or other people in their friendship around them, that they're held back and I can think, they break out of that? Okay. The answer is yes. Um, I think to both of them, the answer is yes. The environment you're from can definitely hold you back. But that's up to you to break out of that environment. Um, and with regard to um, moving forward with, with it, um, did it help me coming from an environment where, you know, I, I come from a working class background family that were poor. We actually didn't think we were poor. I didn't think we were poor. That's what we do. You know, we cooked outside on a fire on a, on a cast iron pan. I didn't think that was poor. I actually thought it was quite enjoyable. You know, it's, it's what we perceive. Yeah. But I think anybody can achieve anything. They can break out of any realms. But... They have to look at the company they're keeping. And if your company talks about football, you'll tend to talk about football. Mm. If your company talks about boxing, you'll tend to talk about boxing. You know, they're your, that's what your circle does. If your circle talks about business, you'll talk about business because we are all creatures of habit. habit. Mm. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with boxing, anything wrong with football, anything wrong with sport. I'm really not because, you know, I'm an avid boxing fan. But I'm just saying, you know, if, you're, if you want to know about mobile communications, you need to surround yourself with yeah. people that are in mobile communications. 100% agree. I mean, I said that I didn't do a lot for 10, 11 years in property. And then I found progressive property. And I came to some of their events in 2014. And in the last four years, just by surrounding myself with people in progressive property, my property business just fast-tracked completely to a different place. And, and it is about the people you hang around with. 100%. Some people drive you forward. Some people, they don't hold you back on purpose, but they just keep you where they are or keep you where you are. Well, I, I think that's a bit unfair. In, I think... You keep yourself where you are yeah. by choosing to be there. And I'm not saying you mm. distance yourself from old friends because that's not true. No. Yeah. But life moves on. We all move on. Now, um, unless you want to be the same person and you're happy with, look, if you're contented with that life that you have, 
great. You're already successful. Mm. You, so, you know, you, they, people yeah. don't need to be listening to us where that's concerned. But if they want more, they can achieve more, but they have to, like, listen, success is climbing a ladder. Do you think comfort um, is a bigger challenge than having been close to losing everything? Do you think comfort is sort of the, the, the most dangerous place to be? Um, comfort and contentment. No, I think that's the best place to be. If, if comfort is con con in, in the way that I'm taking it is contentment. So rather than contentment, com comfort and fear of I'm, I'm in a job, I'm, I've got my salary, I, I live month to month, and I'm worried about risking it to do something okay. that would make me content. Right, okay. Then I wouldn't describe that as comfortable. I would describe that as a little bit of jealousy and envy of wanting to do more and knowing that you can do more, but not brave enough to take that step because you've got two kids, a mortgage, a house. And I get that's a difficult thing to break out of. I do. But you know something? Goes back to what we said before. Do you want to live like a tortoise and you're in that comfortable grain or do you want to live like the animal that you can be? Mm. So that's, I, I now I understand the question much better. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, well, it's okay for you to do that. It, that you know, if I'd have did it then or if, if is a magical word, isn't it? Mm. Do you follow me? It's two letters, but, you know. I don't like if, I like how. I like when. When, yeah. <laughs> when I ask somebody to do something for me, I don't ask them to do it. I say, when are you doing it? Because I need a time frame. I don't want to come back and I've been put to the back, back of the list. I want the job done. Got some more questions. So some of the community have asked some questions. Um, Andrew has asked a question saying, if you were stripped of all your skills and allowed to keep just one skill, what would that be if it relating to property or just in business in general? Well, I, I don't understand the question. If I was stripped of everything. So stripped of all your um, businesses, assets. all your assets, mm -hmm. um, all your money, say, mm -hmm. and you, you could choose one skill that you've got in life. What would you? The, you mean skill as in? And, and mine says so um, learning from the past. Um, something you skill in terms of possibly. So I'm, I'm predicting Andrew's question myself. Um, skill in terms of something you learnt or something in your mindset. What's the one thing that you, you would hold on to in life if you had the a business? The drive to succeed is not a skill, but it's the need. And if you have the need, you'll find the ability. It is, and again, I refer back to Richard Branson, so if somebody offers you an opportunity, take it, find out how to do it later. The opportunity may not come again. True, yep. So for me, it would be what would, if I was stripped of absolutely everything, it would be I, I would, would want and would need the drive and determination to succeed. If you have that, you get up. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Andy has asked, um, if you were starting today with no money, what strategy would you use? Um, okay. It's a really good question. 
but if I was starting today with no money, I would be certainly going down a different route. And that route would be, I would be um, looking at an internet business because you can compete on a global scale with just your shop front as being a website. And as long as your website is good, you can now compete with global companies that are out there. Mm. You know, okay, all right, they may have better Google AdWords than yourself. But no, for me, if I was starting today, I think the opportunities have got even better. And I think we can trade on a global scale of, um, of, of selling products or selling services. You, know, you see young kids at the moment, like in business, and they're in a bedroom at home making millions, billions of pounds. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, th I think the opportunities yeah. now. But again, don't look to chase the money. Mm. That, you know, look for the idea and then make sure it's commercially viable. Steph's asking, what's your view of, if, so in property, and I know you, you, you've held all your shops and stuff, but what's your view of buying a property and selling it as opposed to holding it long-term? So buy, refurbish, make some money today, or hold long-term. Um, you, have you ever bought, sold stuff, or is it a long-term vision of keep it forever? What's your... Um, okay. The answer to that is yes to both, mm. but it's what you enjoy. If you enjoy buying them, renovating them, and or converting that building into something more, when you go into a piece of property that needs refurbishing, you've got 10 or 20 other people coming behind you looking to do the same thing. So you've got to look to do more. Mm. And you've got to think, right, okay, well, what could I do with this? You know, could I convert it into four studio apartments? Hold on, could I move that wall back and that closet and turn that into a box bedroom? So it's about thinking outside the box. It's about making a property more than what it is. You know, is it a point that you're prepared to manage it for students and you want to convert it to student accommodation? You've got to be more than I'm going to refurbish it and sell it. Yeah. Because if you can do the work for other people that are not prepared to do the work because they want an easy life. Now, let's say, for instance, you buy a property and it's very close to, um, you know, say you buy something um, from a local estate agent or out of an auction. You know, it doesn't matter where you buy it from, but you've bought it and you believe you've bought it at a reasonably good level. And you find you're next to um, uh, a college. The first thing you should be doing is to find out the research of how the housing needs are for those for for those students, because auto, automatically it lends itself that way. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, an, an, another issue. All of a sudden, you buy a house on a high street. Well, then is it possible to take two of the rooms on one side of the property and see if you can get permission to convert those into a shop? So you've now still got the property, but you've now made a commercial use downstairs on the high street. Um, I, I just bought a property exactly the same as that. And the house was built on the high street and was a, a, a clean brick wall. We've got permission to uh, convert. and but, but more so, we've also gone down in the basement for the shop. 
So you must go in there with an open mind. If you're keeping something long term, the same thing applies. Look at what it lends itself to. And remember one thing, you are not the owner of a piece of property and you never will be. You are a caretaker. And your job is to generate as much revenue from that property and uplifting value from that property. You need to ask yourself the question, are you a long-term or a short-term player? If you ask me, I'm really a long-term player. I enjoy turning properties into businesses. I enjoy them not being, I wouldn't call myself an investor in properties. I, I would say all of our all of our properties are constantly being looked at and how can we improve them and not improve them to the point where we're going to re-renovate them. Mm. Is that going to generate any more revenue? It's a game. You know, we mm. don't make the rules to the game. We're just playing the game, trying to play it better than other people. True. Yeah. Very good. So we're coming towards you. We've got a few minutes left. I've got some quick fire questions. By the so way. You can answer them any way you like. Um, some of them might have already answered, but I'll ask again just, to, just for your... Um, so I think you may have already answered this or I have an idea who it might be, but who do you admire and why? Uh, I admire uh, Bill Gates for being an expert at his field, for staying solid to the cause, never being sidetracked on some great idea of where he could invest his money or in better ways. He stayed with the cause. His business was Microsoft Windows, which was a program that operated computers and stayed with it for 40 years. That's a hell of an achievement. Whereas, do I admire him more than Richard Branson? Yeah, because Richard Branson has done things that floated his boat. This is a man that was married to his business and didn't ever break his vows. Yeah. Great man. It's like Dyson. So, he, so he, he put a computer on every, he said he promised he'd put a computer on every home and he did. And mm. Dyson stuck to, I'll make the best yep. Hoover in the world. Yes. They stuck to one thing. Stuck to the goal, mm. became a professor, an expert at the best there ever could be at that. So do I admire them men? Absolutely. Um, biggest win and worst defeat. Okay. Biggest win. I bought uh, one mobile home park um, for five million pounds. And within a year, I'd um, managed to verify, not get, verify, the planning permission on it was fully residential and the value rocketed to 50 million. That's the biggest win. A nice win. That's a big win. Um, biggest loss, my health. When I was 20, I had a murmur across the desk and that was caused by the stress of the business of nearly losing everything and having to move out of my house and sleep in my car. So that had a profound loss. Um, I don't think that's the answer you were looking for. I think you were looking for on a business loss. Biggest loss. I haven't made any. 
the losses that I've made, I've always managed to turn them round. Yeah. And when I say turn them round, find a solution. But solutions take time. Yeah. Take time. And it is about not panicking, I guess, in a loss and waiting to find the solution and turning it into a... A trained as a boxer. And a boxer is taught for quick reactions. You block and hit. And the art of boxing is not to be hit and to hit. That's boxing. I'm now in the process of taking a helicopter pilot's license. And I had a helicopter crash in November. Um, fell out of the sky. <coughs> Complete pilot error on my part, I believe. I'd like to blame somebody else, but... <laughs> um, and, um, At least you're still here. Oh, well, somebody said to me... Uh, uh, somebody said to me, what, uh, what, were you, what were you thinking? I said, thank God I've got my brown trousers on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a spare pair though? <laughs> I didn't. Um, and um, the very next day I brushed myself down. I went back out and did another lesson. Mm. It was, you know, uh, the pilot was in intensive care for about a week and thank God he pulled through all okay. And I was, you know, uh, very lucky. The moral of that story is this. When you're learning to be a pilot, they tell you not to react. Everything is done because you could react and make the situation worse. So the, 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 the idea is not to panic. And that's the same in business. Don't panic. Don't overreact. Analyze the situation revolve the situation, go over it, come at it from different angles. And have we made losses in different things? Yeah, we have, but we've got out of trouble, mm. but only because of the time mechanism that we've had in place. For instance, I've got a property now, if I sold it today, I'd lose a million pounds on it. Well, that's a property in central London because of the 10%, because the high-end market mm. has, has, has collapsed. You know, I'd, but just hold it. We're just sitting with it. We're renting it. And it's producing about £200,000 a year in a rental income, which is something like about a 2% return. Not a lot. Whereas we should be producing 5%. But we'll sit. It'll come back. The one thing that is sure as everything. Comes back. It comes back. Excellent. Best advice you've ever received? Trust no one. Worst advice you've ever received? Trust me. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, how can we follow you? How can we find out more about Alfie? I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, there is a bit confusing because my son is as well. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Um, my, uh, I think they call it handle, don't they? Yeah. Um, is AlfieBest33. Um, if people message me, I do try to come back to them. Um, my Twitter accounts, Facebook account, Instagram, they are monitored um, by my um, EA and me. And I do try to message people back with any advice that I can give them. 
And if I can add something, which is the best advice that I can give somebody is believe in yourself and always listen to everybody. But the advice you choose to take must be your decision. Really, really good advice. I just want to say thank you very much, Alfie. I've had pleasure's an absolute mine. pleasure. Pleasure is mine. mine. Trust me. Thank you for taking the time to come and see us. Obviously, this is my first podcast interview and um, couldn't be with somebody more um, inspiring. Well, I don't know about that, but so, thank you. I think the pleasure has been mine. So, and thank you. Um, so I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. You can. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. Please make sure you subscribe. Um, tell people about the podcast. And um, I look forward to seeing you next week. Well, I hope I made it easy for you. It was cool, yeah. It was really good. I was, that was, um, I was obviously a little bit uh, my first one, so I hope that was okay. So I thought you were perfect. Cool, yeah. I'm um, really interesting story. I'm so glad that I've got to listen to that as well because that's like really inspiring. So I haven't done any of that really. <laughs> <laughs> Alfie's out in the car. <laughs>